Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello everyone, it's Rob Moore here. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur live stream show. I'm sure you recognize this man. He's a massive star, a star of the secret. Uh, he has an amazing content, the creator of Inner Size, which we're going to ask about soon. It's a pleasure to have John Asaraf on the show. Thank you, John. Mr. Rob, great to be on with you, my friend. We have a mutual friend in Paul Omahani, and we've been hanging out in Clubhouse. Yeah. So I'm really pleased we got this agreed. So grateful. Uh, and I know we have half an hour. And um, we've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to respect your time and go straight in. So I remember when I first heard you talk about inner size, obviously a play on exercise. And I thought, I like this. This is smart. So could you talk to us a bit about what inner size is? Sure. So back in the 70s, Jack LaLanne, you know, came up with this exercise and that if you exercise, you can increase your obviously uh, strengthen your muscles, strengthen your lung capacity, your heart capacity. And for the last 40 years, I have been doing inner sizes, which is what I call them, to strengthen my mind. And so I've been doing, you know, whether it's affirmations or visualization or mental contrasting or using a variety of methodologies to increase my focus, my awareness, my confidence, my certainty, my self-esteem, which are all neural muscles in our brain. And so I've just devised an entire body of work for myself and the hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs that follow my work around the world. Love it. And can you give us some tips then on this inner side? Um, what would you call it? I guess you'd call it a, a modality or a, sure. a modus operandi. Um, could you give us some tips on how to strengthen the mind like you maybe would the body? Sure. So let, let's start with uh, one of my daily practices. So we're going to make it very, very tangible and very real for every entrepreneur. So I tend to set big goals and dreams, many of which I have no idea how I'm going to achieve, or I might have a few of the steps. So I'll start off with writing out my vision and my goals. I'll write out the beliefs I need to achieve them. And then what I will do is every single day, I will sit in front of this written document and I'll do something called cognitive priming. Now, what is cognitive priming? It's very, very descriptive, of course. And so what I do is I look at the vision, the goals and the beliefs required to achieve them. I will read them out loud and run my right hand across one side, my left hand across the other side. I'll then close my eyes and I will see myself achieving that goal. I will feel the beliefs needed to achieve that goal. And since we know from all the brain research that's out there that visualization is simulation, we know that when we actively prime our brain through focused attention and space repetition, and we add a little bit of emotion, we're activating certain neural networks in our brain. Now, if I do it one time, 
it really doesn't do that much. But if I do it 30 times, 100 times, 500 times, that would be the equivalent of doing a sit-up 30 times, 100 times, 500 times. You strengthen your muscles with sit-ups. And then if you do the mental rehearsal, you are actually creating and reinforcing a new neural pattern. And based on the science of automaticity and neuroplasticity, it shows that when we create a neural pattern and we reinforce it, it becomes a dominant pattern. And then once it becomes a dominant pattern, I think some people call that a habit. And so now we become habituated to seeing our vision, seeing our goals, starting to believe what it is that we need to believe to achieve that goal. And now it goes from conscious effort to unconscious thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. So I teach not just that, but that is one methodology to prime your brain every single day. Now, the next layer of that, I read that vision, those goals, those beliefs onto my iPhone app. And now I can listen to it while I'm reading it, while I'm touching it. Now, based on the science of Hebb's rule or Hebb's law, the neurons that fire together wire together. So now I've added auditory, visual, kinesthetic, and emotion to this neural pattern, which means it's going to get reinforced and stronger faster. That's called an inner size stack. Love it, John. Um, the whole thing about emotion, I've done visualization for 15 years, ever since I read Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Um, and the, the, power, the concept of the mastermind in your mind that you visualize. Um, and I have my mantra, wealth, success, health, strength, happiness, confidence, non-judgment, abundance, love and gratitude. I say those every night. And one thing I was missing was the emotion element. Yeah. And I started that more recently and I've been doing a lot of study and research on that. How important is adding that emotional element? Is there an, an, an energy and an attraction factor in adding that part in? Sure. So when we're talking about the human brain, right? So as a behavioral neuroscience researcher, I'm trying to understand, you know, what are the different components of the brain that I can activate no differently than if I was the conductor of an orchestra? I might want to have a little saxophone, a little piano, a little cello, and I want to get them to work together. So when we choose our goals, we're using the Einstein part of the brain called the left prefrontal cortex. No problem. When we have fears, by the way, or uncertainty, the Frankenstein part of the brain is active. But the part of our brain that chooses our vision, our goals, and our belief is not the part of the brain that activates emotion and the behavioral center of the brain. So there's the deeper limbic system that is responsible and connected to the motor cortex, what causes us to take action, but also the motivational cortex, which releases the dopamine and in many cases, adrenaline to get us to take action. So when we emotionalize, when we feel in advance what it would be like to achieve that goal, to make a big difference in our lives of our family, how our lifestyle will change, how will we impact the charities that we love, we actually add a little spark of energy. And since energy flows to where attention goes, when we, like a Hollywood or a UK actor or actress, mm -hmm. becomes the role, you know, the excitement, the sadness, that's what transfers on the screen or on television, right? Right is if somebody was to read their lines, I'm so happy, 
and grateful for the fact that I am a great entrepreneur here in the UK and Europe versus I am so freaking happy that I'm grateful and I'm achieving my business goals and dreams. My children are just excited. My spouse is on fire with what I'm doing. I'm able to commit to the charities that I love and give them time, money, energy, and attention. I feel freaking great. Which one has more power? So when we activate this deeper limbic system of ours, the emotional system, right? It's energy in motion. That's what emotion stands for. When we activate that part with the logical part, now we are adding a little bit of fuel, you know, to the neurons that are firing the electrical and the chemical release. And then when that happens, we actually are getting rewarded a lot more deeper. And that means that the neurons that are wiring together and firing together become stronger together. And that is what causes us to build this neural network that then actively does its thing constructively, positive, and in ways that cause us to take consistent, inspired action. As a completely random side note, because I'm fascinated as much by your delivery and your passion as I am your content. Is that why you're standing up to have better energy when you speak? Well, yeah, I don't want to sit all day long. I want to move like I'm on stage. I'm transferring this energy. Um, You know, I'm so excited about the body of work um, that that our researchers on my team do and the faculty that we have. Uh, I want to make sure that I don't do it in a way that's like lackluster. And it's like, yeah, let me talk to you about the brain. And this part of your brain is your Einstein brain. And this one's the Frankenstein brain. And over here, this is the limbic area. Like people fall asleep. It's so exciting that we have a $100 billion biocomputer. Every one of us owns it. It works the exact same way for every human on the planet for the most part. And so now if we have the operator's manual, I can't tell you how many people ask me, John, I've tried affirmations. Why don't they work? John, I've I've tried to visualize. I just can't see the stuff in my head. (laughs) You got to freaking practice in order to make permanent. Practice to make permanent, right? So what we have to understand is if you're out of shape, you're not going to be in great shape in seven days. If you're out of shape and you start walking today, in seven days, you will feel better. But in 30 days, you're going to feel way better. And maybe on day 45, you might even do a, a little job. And so the key here is to know that you have within you the most powerful biocomputer in the whole universe. Now it's time for you to be a better operator. Amen. So I've got so many questions I want to ask you. Where do we start? Hmm. Okay. Was there a change in your life, John? Was there a time when you weren't as successful as you are? Um, <laughs> and can you just take us through a little bit of a journey of going back sure. as far as you dare and just maybe in a few minutes, just take us on that journey and some of the struggles you overcame? All right. So as I'm standing here right now, I am uh, on the verge of my 60th birthday. However, if I go back 41 years to when I was 19, I was getting in trouble with the law. I was making $1.65 an hour working in the shipping department. I left high school at grade 11. I failed English. I failed math. And I was doing drugs, selling drugs, doing breaking and entries, 
And my life was on the path to either jail or the morgue, one of the two. And my brother had a um, brilliant idea for me to, to travel from Montreal, where I used to live, to Toronto, Canada, where he was a tennis coach. And he had this one client who uh, was a very successful real estate entrepreneur. Uh, he had real estate offices. He had real estate investments, happily married, wonderful man. His name was Alan Brown. So my brother says, hey, bro, uh, why don't you take the train to Toronto and I'll arrange for lunch for you to meet with this successful man. And maybe he can help you because your life is going downhill and picking up speed. So I took the train, went to meet this man for lunch. And at lunch, he asked me a few questions like, what are your goals? I said, well, uh, I'd like to buy my own car. I'd like to move out of my parents' house. I'd like to get a full-time job where I can make more than $1.65 an hour. He says, that's great, but what are some of your bigger goals? I said, bigger goals? I don't have any. So he gave me this document. And just to put the time on it, it was April of 1980. And it was a goal-setting guide for 1980. And I think, Rob, it was before you were born. (laughs) The first question was, at what age do you want to retire? And I said, I'm 19. What do you mean retire? My father still works as a cab driver. I don't, I don't know what age I want to retire. So I said to him, I don't know what age. He said, just write an age down. I wrote down 45. Um, 26 years later, how much net worth do you want to have? And I go, what's net worth? And he says, it's the amount of money that you're left over, left with if you paid all the expenses and all the debt. So I wrote $3 million. Then it started, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Uh, who do you want to help? What kind of experiences do you want to have? So I wrote all this stuff down and he gave it to me. And he said, these are some great, great, great visions and goals that you have. He said, I'm going to ask you one question. And the answer to this one question will determine whether you have all of those things and achieve the lifestyle you just wrote down. And I was thinking to myself, Rob, one question. And he looks at me and he leans in. He says, are you interested in achieving these things or are you committed? And I was thinking in my brain, interested, committed. I said to Mr. Brown, what's the difference? And he said, if you're interested, you'll allow your past to control your present thinking and your future. If you're interested, you'll keep believing that you're not good enough, not smart enough, because you didn't, you know, um, go past grade 11 and you failed English and math. He said, if you're interested, you'll do what's easy and convenient and you won't change. But if you're committed, you'll let go of your stories, your reasons, your excuses, your traumas. If you're committed, you will upgrade your knowledge and your skills to match the goals that you want to achieve. And you will become the person capable of achieving those goals. And he said, oh, by the way, all of those are doable. So are you interested? Are you committed? And so I said, "Uh, Mr. Brown, um, I'm committed. You know what he says to me? He reaches out his hand. He says, in that case, I will be your mentor. And I'm like, wow, uh, awesome. What's a mentor? And so (laughs) I was so ignorant. He then shared with me, you know, a mentor is somebody who shows you what to do and what not to do and why and how. And so that day my life changed because I said I was committed. I ended up moving to Toronto. I ended up going to the real estate course, which I didn't want to. I didn't have any money, didn't have any car. I didn't have anything. And in my first year of him teaching me, just a little script. For cold calling, I made $31,000 and he made $31,000. Year two, he upgraded my knowledge and skills. I made $151,000. Year three, I went traveling around the world for 14 months, came back, got back into real estate. And on the sixth year in 1987, I started my own real estate company 
called Remax of Indiana. And over 10 years, I opened up 85 offices, had 1,200 salespeople, and we were doing four and a half billion dollars a year in sales. That was the beginning of one question, one answer, one commitment, my life changed. And then I've gone on to build a few companies, written a bunch of New York Times bestselling books, I've been fortunately in 10 movies, and now I get to share the story and the how with as many people as I can. What a journey, John. Yeah. And one of those movies famously was The Secret. Did that, um, did that change your life in any way in terms of growing your brand? And did it give you any extra sort of reach and attention and impact? Yeah. Um, Rhonda Byrne, who came up with the movie, had read my first New York Times bestselling book called Having It All, Achieving Your Life's Goals and Dreams. And she loved a story that I shared there about my vision board. And so I've created vision boards based on my goals for, I don't know, since 1993. And, you know, I, I look at my vision board every day in my exceptional life blueprint that I have, right? There's my exceptional life blueprint. So I have everything in here for either what I've achieved or what I want to achieve as reminders. Um, and so I got into the movie because she loved the story of me having a vision board and ending up in my dream home. And uh, so I made it into the movie and the movie gave people awareness of my work, uh, gave them awareness of my story. And uh, as much as the secret was around, you know, think, believe and you'll achieve. Um, there was another added piece for me because I was on all of the major TV shows in the United States and radio and print. Um, I brought this other law to the table that The Secret didn't talk about. So in addition to the law of attraction, if you notice the last six letters of the word attraction are action, people forgot about that. But I added a corollary law called the law of Goya, G-O-Y-A. And all of my students know it as the get off your asaraf law or get <laughs> off your ass and do the right thing in the right order at the right time. And the reason I say the right thing in the right order at the right time is because if you don't take the right actions, it's like baking. You know, there's a process to bake. Baking is a science, so is success. So you could be busy, 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 busy doing things that may be the wrong things. But if you learn the process and you apply the process, anybody can achieve success in business and in life because they're following the blueprint and then they could add innovation. Love it. John, what is the secret to life? Oh my, the secret to life. Um, I think first and foremost is to understand the gift, right? So if you think about the fact that we are alive right now, a hundred trillion cells coalesced okay, into the sentient being called a human with nine systems, a brain, organs that work synergistically when we are in coherence and in harmony and in flow versus in a state of dis-ease. And your DNA is not unraveling because of the intelligence in every single cell. First, appreciate that you are a genius, the wisdom within you, two million years of evolution has created you, me, and everybody else. So first, like, wow, the fact that we are spinning on a rock, okay, in the middle of space and time going a million miles an hour, which is the Milky Way galaxy's velocity, 
you should be going, wow, every second of every day that you have life. Part one. Part two, the meaning of life is to be curious and to become and express yourself in a way that you feel so proud that you are using this miracle in a way that is worthy of life itself. Anything less than that, you are settling and selling yourself short. Wow. Mic drop, as they say. <laughs> right. So, John, we have got 11 minutes left. So we're going to do a slightly do quick fire round. Uh, so let's do this. Three top tips for the mindset of entrepreneurs. Okay. Uh, three top tips for the mindset of entrepreneurs. Number one, get 100% clear on your vision, which is where you're going to be in three years, five years, 10 years. Number two, get clear on your goals for the year. Number three, get clear on the next 90 days. Number four, create a plan to achieve it so that you have a path towards it. Number five, I'm going to give you more than more than three. Then number five, what are the beliefs you need to believe about what's possible and yourself in order to achieve those goals? Number six, what are the daily, weekly, monthly habits that will ensure that you achieve those? And then number six or seven is whose help do you, you need? Go get it right now. Love it. And um, when it comes to your mindset, which yeah. of course you had such vast experience on, John, what do you think the main struggles are that people have with their mindset and how can they overcome those struggles, whether it's managing their emotions or, right. you know, bad imagination or whatever? Right. Four things hold people back and everything fits onto these four things. So, again, when we understand if you take away my face I and mean, there was just this brain here, OK, with the nervous system down here. OK, we're dealing with this biocomputer, an organism, not an organ, OK, that is evolving every single moment of every day. So number one thing that holds people back, when we don't have the knowledge and skill we need to achieve the vision and the goals we want, we actually activate the Frankenstein part of our brain or the fear center in our brain. The fear center is connected to the motor cortex, our behavioral center and motivation. So when we don't have the knowledge and skills, we're in a state of self-doubt and uncertainty, and that causes us to play it safe because the number one priority of our brain is safety and security. Number two, avoidance of any real or imagined pain or discomfort. Number three is um, energy conservation. Then number four is moving towards what we want in the form of gain or reward. So when we have a lack of knowledge and skills, it sets up a domino effect of disempowering behaviors like self-sabotage and procrastination. Number two, there are 50 different types of fear which is an emotion triggered by the subconscious mind. So when I have a fear of failing, when I have a fear of being embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, judged, uh, when I have a fear of being disappointed, when I have a fear of, uh, of anything that is painful, then that actually sets up the fear response. And the fear response is I'm either going to fight it, I'm going to freeze, or I'm going to um, uh, flee, run away. So we have to learn how to manage the emotion of fear or it will squash us. Number three, limiting beliefs. When we have a vision and a goal, and then we have a limiting belief, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too white, too black, too whatever, uh, or not enough of, then that actually deactivates motivation. So I have to replace my limiting beliefs with empowering beliefs. And then number four, and this one's huge. If I have a vision or a goal that's bigger than my current self-image, 
I will self-sabotage any success along the way unless at the same time that I've got the vision, the goals, and the behaviors that I need to take and I'm taking, I expand my self-image, self-worth, and self-esteem, I will end up self-sabotaging. That's why lottery winners lose the money. That's why people who they take that are homeless and put them into nice facilities, leave the facilities after they've destroyed the facilities. It's because our brain makes 100% certain, not 99%, 100% certain that our external world of results or effects matches our internal beliefs, self-image, fears, and our knowledge and skills. I think this I'm is I'm giving you as much as I can in a period of time. I know your audience is super smart like you. <laughs> no, this is perfect. I was just thinking, is this the record in 650 episodes for the most content squeezed into 30 minutes? We're definitely getting close. Right, Good. we've got two minutes left for you, John. Um, and there's five um, what you might call quick fire questions. Best advice, best advice you ever remember receiving? Um, best advice? Um, work on my mindset um, more than I do my skill set. Worst advice you ever remember receiving? Oh, I don't, I don't know that one. What one thing is wrong with the world, John, that you'd like to change? People's awareness of how magical and spectacular we all are and how we are entangled and um, we are responsible with and for each other. If there was one person that if I got them on the show, you were like, Rob, how did you get that guest? I'm going to stop everything and watch them right now. Who would it be? There, there really isn't one person. I, I'm, not, I'm not into that type of stuff personally. Great. Uh, and the, this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. So Actually, there, there is one person. It's probably because I'm reading the, um, uh, um, uh, Isaacson's book on Michelangelo. Oh, Walter Isaacson, who wrote the Steve Jobs book. Yeah. 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 yeah, Steve Jobs book, uh, Einstein, which I read also. Um, but actually, you know, Einstein's one of my, my uh, people that I've studied a lot about his, you know, how he used imagination, how he's able to process stuff in his head. Um, so there, there may be, you know, Michelangelo, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Einstein would probably be, if you get those on, I'd, I'd be there in a heart. <laughs> oh, easy. I'd just call them all up on WhatsApp. <laughs> Part of our virtual mastermind group, right, Rob? Amen. Amen, John. And then this podcast, well, it's, it's more than audio. We go on all channels. It's called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. So what does the word disruptive mean to you, John? Disruptors change the norm. Like, just, just don't accept the norm. Every advancement in humanities you know, evolution has been somebody's disrupted the norm. Somebody has innovated a better way, unique way, a faster, easier, more efficient way. So disruptive is like, don't just accept what is, challenge your brilliance to say what can be. Don't just accept what is, challenge your brilliance to what can be. I love that. We need to get that on an Instagram quote, don't we, John? Yeah. Great. John, I've had so much fun. Thank you for your amazing energy and knowledge. Where can we follow you? What are you promoting right now? Where can we go? Awesome. If uh, people follow me on Instagram, that's a great place. Uh, I've just started using Clubhouse and I'm following your lead and your just amazing uh, stuff podcast. You know, I'm sorry, your um, Clubhouse. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook on my fan page. I'm on Twitter. I'm on all the social media. Uh, and Instagram's a really good place to, to, to be on because I post stuff every day there. 
And that's, is that just your name, at John Hassinger? Yeah. Let's just and spell that out. Yeah. Just, yeah, the at signal, J-O-H-N-A-S-S-A-R-A-F. And um, yeah, pick up any of my uh, New York Times bestselling books and transform your lives. Thank you, John. It's been so much fun. Really grateful. See you soon. Thanks, Thank everyone. Thanks, everyone. Loads of amazing comments. Thank you. Thank you.